there are times when I'm way too focused on my phone. So my phone is literally just a tiny computer that does everything for me. I have free time and I just instinctively go to it to uh, waste time or to like just to fill time. It's really easy to get sucked into it like a vortex. It's definitely a tool for avoidance. I pretty actively try to avoid my phone as much as possible. I found myself recently just like opening it up and not knowing what I actually want to do with it. So if you're in a place where your headspace is not very good, then it's really easy to just stare into the void and just like scroll forever. From Outface Productions, this is Listening Glass. Oh no, kind of... I just found a barking seal one. <laughs> a barking seal? Oh no, nice. You know, really what we're looking for right now when we choose these sounds is, like, what do you want your bell tone to be? When you, like, like a like Pavlov's dog, you know? What, what right. chime do you want to hear when your mind perks up and goes, oh! Like, well, totally. I used to have um, Curtis Mayfield's Move On Up. As my ringtone, how does that go? It's it's that song that it's like it starts with these two drum hits. It's like pa pa na 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 na. It's just like this really peppy song. You, I'm sure you've heard it before. Mm-hmm. Now every time I hear it out in the world, it's just like ah, oh, like it just it gets that response from me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Is it what kind of response is it like? What's that like? Oh man, an email to, or is it like? It's like I need to check my phone response. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's like you pat your leg or mm. whatever it is that you do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And your phone rings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, um. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you this question, Robin. Uh-huh. How often, how many times a day do you think you check your phone? Hmm, I've I've been reading stories about like how often we supposedly do that on yeah. average. And I found some really ridiculous figures that was like, one was like 2,600 or so. And I did the math on that. 2,600 times? No, it didn't seem right. Because when I did the math, it was like two, I just did that divided by... I think 18. Is that right? We're up. No, we're up for only 16 hours a day. So Something it would have been like even less. Yeah. Depending on who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like 2.4 times a minute, roughly, if you were wow. checking your phone that often, which I don't, it's just a weird stat because most, yeah. a lot of the times you're on your phone for like 30 minutes straight, you know? Right. So like, does that count as checking your phone once or anyway, studies aside for myself, when I'm si- I sit at home, like I'm working, I bet I check it like every five minutes. Yeah. Roughly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I'm not fully engrossed in something else, then I check my phone fairly often. Mm-hmm. And the times I'm not checking it, I'm maybe listening to a podcast or in some other way, like directly engaged with right. my phone. Right. So, okay, here's the next question. How many... How much time in your life do you spend with your phone in another room than you are? Mm, oh, God, very little. Very little. Like, right? even when I'm climbing and it's like banging around in my pocket, yeah, it's on me. Mm-hmm. Every now and then I'll leave it aside 
but pretty much always, unless I'm really struggling with leaving it alone when I'm working, mm -hmm. then I'll just leave it downstairs in the kitchen or something like that. But okay, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Is but it the you? first? Is it the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Well, it depends. Like me and me and my cat Pippin have a routine too, where I'll get up, oh, okay. I'll turn off my alarm or whatever, and mm -hmm. then I'll sit on my bed. And then he'll sit on my lap for a few minutes and I'll just like have Pippin time. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it's it. But typically I'll just check it and then oftentimes put my headphones in and start listening to NPR or something right away or some oh, podcast. Nice. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. I don't even have like 30 seconds to like think about my dreams or whatever. I'm just like, eh, mm -hmm. whatever. Just... I want to do something less boring when I brush my teeth. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. It's like mm -hmm. you want to be entertained during any down moment yeah i could right. be improving myself right now or totally. being entered actually more likely being entertained yeah you know i think i often put this guys on it like i'm actually learning something and i think about like how much i retain from mm -hmm. the podcast and news i listen to i'm like wow i'd never think about most of this stuff i never think about again mm -hmm. unless it's really interesting or good but no. yeah I'm, i mean i'm the same you know uh -huh. it's like i don't really remember what i used to do first thing when I woke up before I had a phone mm -hmm. like I literally don't I don't remember how long I would spend in bed yeah. I don't remember what I would think about mm -hmm. I've definitely been one of these people most of my life where I like to kind of I just take my time getting up in the morning mm -hmm. and I like to have like a gradual process of yeah coming to full consciousness nice and so the phone has it's like I'll wake up and I'll grab my phone and I'll just kind of groggily scroll through Reddit or mm. whatever. Which you can do while you're still in like the first stage of sleep. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Talk about low retention, man. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I'm basically still asleep at that point. So wait, can we just linger there for a second? Like yeah. what, are your, what are your subreddits? Oh, subreddits. Okay. Well, I'm really into Magic the Gathering, mm -hmm. so I'm on a lot of those. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm on a couple podcast subreddits. Mm -hmm. uh, what's that one? Like for a particular podcast or just for like podcasting? No, like generally uh, That's good. I actually don't follow a lot of like general podcasting stuff for yeah. podcasters. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, quite frankly, is like posts like lol me and my boys wanted to start a podcast what should we call it got lol, it right lol. <laughs> is that where you like... got the tip on drinking uh no that that yeah i did get that from a podcast subreddit yeah yeah spoiler uh robin and i are both drinking red wine right now which apparently improves podcasting mm -hmm. not don't red wine specifically don't have to tell me twice just booze <laughs> yeah <laughs> pro tip if you want to get into the world of podcasting. This, so, okay. This, so, because we're serious. Robin, what are we talking about today? Generally, so <laughs> I've been using this term digital hygiene. Mm -hmm. And most Is that people. Your term? That's, I think that might be my term. Because whenever okay. I say it, people are, are kind of like either grossed out, grossed out and confused. They're like, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And I think maybe the reason I came up with that term, I don't think I came up with it, but mm -hmm. I, I think another term that I associate with it is kind of like mental hygiene, mm, right. which I associate with what sorts of media I expose myself to. Sure. And um, just it's now that I spend most of my time in screens, it's kind of like, okay, if I'm spending most of my time on 
looking at a screen, what am I doing during that time and how is mm. it affecting me? Yeah. And, you know, being able to take inventory of that. And if things are having a negative effect, trying to pair those back. Yeah. Um, Which so. is particularly relevant for both of us because we both work from home mm -hmm. and we both work in very computer specific fields. Mm -hmm. And of course, these days you don't have to do either of those things to spend a lot of time on the computer. But right. I think when your career is very like when you basically can't be working away from your computer, I think that introduces a whole new level. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's neither of us can do our jobs away from a computer. No. Yeah. No. I mean, occasionally I can step away on a phone call mm -hmm. and just walk restlessly around my apartment or occasionally mm -hmm. I'll even take a walk around the neighborhood while I'm on a business call. But that's, yeah. that's the only thing I can do away from my computer. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think that the concept of how we interact with our devices and how our devices interact with us and mm -hmm. the effect that it has on us is a really important topic to focus on. Yeah. I, so I I wanted to choose a topic that was a little bit lighter on research and just more based on our own experiences and reflections, Yeah, which I think is pretty easy to do with this topic. Mm -hmm. I did try to briefly do some web research and yeah. most of the stuff I found, and I did just very like casual researching on this one. And it was, it was pretty bad quality, kind of like Google search results stuff that I was getting that, but I think it was interesting because it outlined Reading some of this stuff actually made me less skeptical of phones because of how like scare tactic-y a lot oh, of the articles okay. were. Got it. And mm -hmm. because of, of how unhealthy they were making phones and, and using your phone often seem. So what what would they I just want to like like I actually just wanna like click on the top like three and just read the first paragraph of a okay. couple because okay, they were yeah. kind of Take alarming. Us there. Okay, so this one, cell phones and health, five tips for using your phone wisely. Um, okay, blah, blah, blah. So this is a website called WellWorks for You. Is committed to staying up to date and involved with current research on significant health topics. One such is the issue of health hazards associated with cell phones. In fact, many studies have been conducted to examine the correlation between cell phones and health concerns or risk. Top three questions. Do they cause brain tumors? What? Are cell phone users experiencing radiation? Is any cell phone really safe? Question mark. <laughs> it's funny that I say question mark. Did you hear me say that just then? Yeah. I don't know what that was about, but I frequently use voice to text where yeah. I have to, I tell my phone, I speak to it to like text somebody. Yeah. And I have to say pr um, pronunciation out loud. Yeah. Not pronunciation. What am I trying to say? Thank you. Punctuation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Side note, because I have an English accent, I have a hell of a time <laughs> with my phone. So I frequently have to mimic like a really, my, I have to do my really bad American accent to get the phone <laughs> to take in my text properly. Can you say, hey, Robin, I'm going to be late tonight. In your... Yeah. So like in, in my phone in order to do, well, let's try it out. All right? Okay. Okay. All right. Let's see if it gets it properly. <laughs> So this is what I would say. What was my phrase again? Uh, hey, Robin, I'm going to be late for the session tonight. Hey, Robin, comma, I'm going to be late for the session tonight. <laughs> Period. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know? that worked pretty well. Your American accent has improved. I have you to think say, so? yeah, yeah. Um, but I have to say things like, no, comma, I can't do that because I have to go to the farm. I have to, <laughs> I have to do stuff like that. I can, if I say farm. Wait, what did you say? Forum or farm? Farm. Farm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying is that I can't, it won't just, yeah. Okay. So anyway, even if I select the British Because you would usually say like farm. 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 Okay. Yeah. I can't do it. Anyway. Anyway. Let's, so let's get back to the That's cell funny. You can't like you. change your personal assistant to like the British voice and it might listen, listen for a British voice or something, but yeah. no. Huh. All right. So what else are we looking at here? Okay. Seven ways to improve your relationship with your smartphone. And family. Blah, blah, blah. Unhealthy parental smartphone. What? I don't know what that means. Unhealthy parental smartphones can use trigger behavior problems with kids and intimacy issues with partners while also limiting sweet sleep and paving the way for addiction. Hmm. hmm. Okay. The research is clear. Smartphones cause dumb behavior when they aren't used smartly. That's quite a statement. No sta there's no <laughs> citation there, by the no, way. I can't <laughs> I can't argue. Okay, let's just take that in the abstract, uh -huh. right? X can cause dumb behavior when not used smartly. Clearly. That's as stated in that's the research. A pretty it's pretty irrefutable. Uh -huh. Did you also know that short people aren't tall? Wow. Yeah. This just in. I saw some science. So um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about that. That I, I basically stopped reading this one at that point before. Yeah. And like this went on for a couple of different results. For, and, right. and they're each like three paragraphs long total. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so someone figured it's out. Kind of like clickbait. The like Google search algorithm. Kind of BS stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're longer than three paragraphs. but Okay, so yeah. were you able to find any legitimate? Nope. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I found articles like this that said like research says... Mm -hmm. And then didn't really have any links to the research or to the studies. And yeah. now, granted, I didn't spend a lot of time like really trying to find hard stuff. So yeah. um, it's, but it, I think it does go to show that there's a lot, there's popular preconception dominates yeah. this area and then the way that we think about it. So, which I guess is true for most topics, but yeah, um, it was particularly hard to diffuse or like find something concrete to hang on to. Even stuff that I found that said that it, it shortens attention spans, mm -hmm. I couldn't find a figure. I couldn't mm -hmm. find, you know, control group had these attention spans and non-control or the, the variable group had this attention span. Like, yeah. It didn't identify what the quanti qualitative, quantitative difference was in that, yeah. right? So yeah. I just kind of like shrugged it off. So let me ask you, do you feel like the digital era has shortened your attention span? Occasionally, mm -hmm. I do. Um, and I've been thinking about this one. Yeah. Because there are definitely times where I go out and I meet friends or something, and I'm like out doing stuff, mm -hmm. you know, being exciting, quote unquote, like stuff that like healthy humans should be able to like just sit down and enjoy. Yeah. Right? Like having a drink with friends. And I'll have to like consciously not look at my phone oh really like yeah. i i feel it like tickling my leg in my pocket <laughs> and 
I'm like, man, I really want to check my phone, even though I really don't know what I'm no checking for. Or like, to... maybe I, maybe I'm messaging somebody and I heard it chime. Yeah. And then I'm playing this game of like, well, we don't have to check it right away. I'm going to wait like five minutes and then check it, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of find a tactful time to do it. But there are times where that's like a really strong urge and mm-hmm. other times where I don't really care that much. But most of the time I care a little mm-hmm. bit where I'm, I'm kind of like waiting for the next opportunity to look. So do you think do you think that that's your attention span or do you think it's just like a, like an addiction? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Like. Is it that you find that you're not able to stay focused on a thing? Like, like for example, if you just didn't have your phone, mm-hmm. let's say you, um, yeah, I don't know. Let's say you lost it, right? Mm-hmm. And you knew you were getting a new one in the mail and it was going to come in two days or something like that. And you mm-hmm. went out to hang out with your friends. Do you think that your ability to focus would be impacted in that situation? Well, what's interesting to me about that is that there's a part of my brain that's now being taken up by managing my phone use. Yeah. Right? So if I don't have the phone, mm-hmm. I'm not doing this like discipline game of like, oh, that thing happened. What does like I heard a chime, what could it be? I'm yeah. going to wait to check for it. Has it been long enough? Like all of that thinking mm-hmm. is like eating up clock cycles in my brain. Right. That's yeah. a computer reference that no one will get. And <laughs> <laughs> and if I didn't have my phone with me, I I am guessing that I would actively if I was twiddling my fingers for whatever reason, instead of waiting for someone to ask me something or say something interesting, I would like actively like engage maybe a little bit more proactively right like i would be just a little bit more present and able to kind of like bring myself Mm -hmm. to that situation Mm -hmm. um and i'm i'm frequently able to do that anyway it's just there we're frequently distracted too like there's it's like uh you remember the short story by kurt vonnegut harrison bergeron i haven't read it okay so it's a story where it's this dystopian future and anyone who has a, like a super ability, like super athletic, say, mm. they will tether a bunch of weights to them so that they can't move any faster than the average person, say. Oh, okay. Right? And if somebody's really intelligent, then they have to wear headphones that'll make c- concussive sounds <laughs> randomly now and then just to throw off their, their wow. chain of thought. And I feel like the smartphone in some ways is like those headphones for me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Where yeah. I've got a, a train of thought going, but if I'm not super engaged, it's what if I'm doing, I'm kind of half engaged with I keep going back to mm-hmm. uh, what was happening in phone land. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe that should be the name of the show. Phone land. Phone land. I, but we're going to talk about computers and stuff too. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I think phones definitely, they definitely hammer home the issue. I, I have definitely noticed my attention span shortening over the years and it's it's kind of hard okay the the rise of the digital era happened during my mid teens I mean it was it was happening in my childhood but really like the ubiquity of everyone having a computer and everyone being connected to high speed internet and stuff 
basically the convenience of it was happening in my teens. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard for me to separate the effect of the digital era on my life from the effects of just kind of maturity and adulthood mm -hmm. on my life. Yeah. So for example, I do remember being in my early teens and being able to read the same book for like four hours mm. or, or sometimes even longer. You know, I remember mm -hmm. like I was a very nerdy kid. And so yeah. some days during my summer vacation, I might just lie on the couch and read the same novel for eight hours. Wow. And I was totally engrossed. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know how much of that was just being 12 right. and not having anything else to think about, right? Yeah. It's like, I don't well, know. Well, and books were, at that age for me, were a novelty and they signified a frontier right? intellectually and just to discover so many things about life. So there was this like eagerness I had about books back then too that allowed yeah. me to read for really long periods of time. Totally, yeah, totally. So I don't know how much of the difference is just that like, I don't know. I mean, even by your your late teens, you have a lot of homework if you're in school. Um, there are more pressures on you. You're starting to develop a more adult perception of the world. You mm -hmm. probably have more stresses in your life. And you're still just building a vocabulary, right? Like, Yeah. <laughs> I remember that, that was really fun. Oh, totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But That's it's like, like yeah. when I think about my adult life, you know, you have work, you have bills that need to be paid. You, you know, if you have any social plans outside of, of your work, you're managing them. You know, mm -hmm. if you have any broader aspirations in your life or, you know, if you're in higher education, mm. uh, you know, or if you start dating, right? There's just like a lot of things that start happening. Then, of course, when you have kids, that's just a whole other level. Yeah. So I think it's it's just hard for me to piece out how much of my distractibility came from regular adult life right versus how much of it was precipitated by the digital age right i will say that i remember back in the day when i was on my computer like i used to do a lot of research on the internet i'm one of these people who would read a thousand reviews before i bought anything right mm -hmm. and i used to find that satisfying and i would get really engrossed in it mm-hmm and I find that these days when I start to do that, I almost, it's almost has like a dizzying effect on me. Hmm. If I do it for too long, I start to feel anxious and like spun out. Hmm. And I notice myself skimming a lot more than I used to. Like I do this on the internet where I kind of skim read a lot of things. You don't like grab a blanket and a cup of tea and some popcorn and just like I, settle down for some I reviews really anymore. I don't, you know, I really <laughs> don't. And, I, and so I think the internet has really changed the way that I read. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a lot more likely to want to scan for relevant information. I think parts of that is just because there's there's a lot of like bullshit on the internet. Wow, and... I think you've adapted appropriately. <laughs> Perhaps that's true. In the case of reading reviews, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But mm -hmm. it is just it's one of those things that I definitely want to keep an eye on because mm -hmm. I I basically don't want to become a more mediocre person mm. over the course of it's my life. It's not one of your life goals. It's not a particular <laughs> aspiration. No. And I and I value, you know, I'm someone who who spends a lot of time in the mind. Huh. I value the alacrity of my mind. Yeah. And I definitely don't want to be regularly engaging in anything which lowers my mental capacity. Right. You know, that almost seems like a topic in itself that mm -hmm. I've been thinking about on and off for a couple of years mm -hmm. where 
as I, I don't want to say as I get older, because it could just be like a phase right now. Yeah. It might not have anything to do with age. Sure. But I've noticed over the last several years that I'm a little bit less intellectually curious and my mm. bar for what's interesting to me is way higher. Like yeah. somebody has to say something like pretty extraordinary and pretty groundbreaking and yeah. novel for me to like truly prick my ears up the way when I was, you know, 18, I would do five times a day. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm and, with you. And so it's been... I'm I'm getting back into reading more, which really helps because there mm. it turns out there's good books out there. And <laughs> I had a hard time finding them for a while. Mm-hmm. But I've been more strategic about how I find books. How do you find good books? I just think about what I'm actually interested in. Yeah. Because I used to just kind of like fumble around in the dark and people would give me suggestions. It turns out what most people are into isn't really what I'm into. So I would yeah. take suggestions and I'd get 80 pages in, if even that far, and just kind of let it collect dust after that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just kind of, you know, I, I'm really into learning more about computer science and code and software development. And so that could be extremely dry to most people, but reading stories about that stuff is really fun for me. Yeah. And kind of riveting even, right? Right. So, so you're yeah. kind of like you've moved from reading what like maybe fantasy or sci-fi or fiction books in or your you name it or... like modern novels and stuff yeah and just like fiction doesn't do it for me as I, much I, as it I used to say it doesn't do it for me either yeah i've been much more of a non-fiction every reader. like every fiction i've picked up where that usually will have a cult following yeah i'll get even like chuck polaniac however you pronounce his name yeah i you know, I've seen some movies based on his stuff, love the yeah. movies, and then reading the book, I'm just like, this is so indulgent. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that describes his writing, for sure. It's yeah. very like, uh, I'm going to lose friends, maybe, but to me, it's like, I just feel like younger. It's like I, I feel like right? it is. It has this it's, adolescent it, Exactly. Quality. I feel yeah. like I'm like 22 in a coffee shop, <laughs> like grappling with existential despair for the first time or something. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. I, I think it highlights the fact that it's very I mean it's hard to write well in general and I think it's especially hard to write fiction well mm-hmm. it's hard to avoid tropes it's hard to avoid avoid certain kinds of indulgence mm-hmm. and I think that as you get older you get a bit more discerning about that especially mm-hmm. if you're someone who cares about quality mm-hmm. right so I'm definitely with you mm-hmm. there yeah and I, I agree I think like <sighs> that's an interesting point you raise about like almost updating your assessments of what you're into as time goes on. Yeah, which right? it takes work to do. Mm-hmm. It takes active questioning and research, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm just doing that now with reading. And I hope to find more genres because I'm going to, yeah. I don't know how many like books on hacking and programming I'm going to read before I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spent the interest load, mm-hmm. right? But also just to be 
versatile too. I want yeah. to maybe find something that's more like philosophical and, and maybe find a fantasy story that has that's written in maybe a realistic enough way that I don't have to suspend my belief disbelief yeah. too much that I can actually yeah. get through it. No, I agree. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, boy, yeah, I, we should, we should record another podcast on the topic of, of fiction. Cause you know, it's mm. a topic that really interests me. Okay. I have to read more, but yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but so I'm curious where, where are the places in your life where you feel the need to work on your digital hygiene the most like Mm. what are the pain points in your life as it concerns the digital era i get a little nervous about how frequently i have to listen to things on my phone just Mm. doing chores or moving around about town i'm pretty much always listening to a podcast or npr or something like that Mm mm-hmm and it's it's like automatic. Like once I start going, like leave my room and I know I'm going to be, I'm not going to be using my mind that actively for a while. Yeah. It's an automatic action of mine to put my headphones in and just like open NPR and hit play or like go to a podcast app and like shop for something mm. or listen to an audiobook on Audible. And I just, it just makes me a little bit nervous and... I I try to say like when I go on a run, running is actually a really fun time to think. And so is walking. Mm, yeah. Like both right. running and walking are really great times to just you're not like picking out things at the grocery store or in, where where your mind's being somewhat occupied with things. Um and it's just like exercise plus thought I find go pretty well together. Mm-hmm. And so I'd prefer to do less listening to digital media while I'm doing those things Mm -hmm. um, just to see where my thoughts go and to make sure I'm kind of like checking in with myself. Um, Like I've, I've been, I've been trying to like up my game lately in terms of just like general lifestyle and like decrease some bad habits and increase good ones. And Mm -hmm. so I've been just started meditating again this week in the morning for like 15 minutes. And, but even then that's not like a time where I think it's a time where I just like, I was supposed to be not thinking. Where I try to get below the thinking self, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's important to try to find some time during the day where you're journaling or thinking and not just kind of like on the, a little like rat on the, the wheel kind of automatically. Input, right? You're talking about switching from input to something else, right? Because I think that's what I think about a lot is it's like, the time I spend taking in information is time that I'm generally not synthesizing my own information. Correct. Yeah, right? exactly. And so, yeah, if I want to generate new thoughts or new ideas or if I want to know more about myself or if I want to maybe emergently solve some problem in my life mm-hmm. that I haven't yet devoted I mean, brain cycles to. Yeah. There's right. so many thing, oh, so many balls that we're trying to juggle as adults that yeah. require constant assessment, right? And and like processing, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, how's that thing going? How could how could I do better at it? Yeah, and it's sometimes I feel like I'm just maybe being a little avoidant. Like my my yeah. my digital habits in terms of say audio media might signify that I'm avoiding some things in my life, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to me, it's it almost reminds me of like having the TV on in the background, right? 
I think for so many people, especially, you know, it's it's morphed into more like phone and computer use. But I think like definitely in the 80s and the 90s when we grew up, I think the equivalent was just like having the TV on and kind of ambiently watching it yeah. all day. Which, So that's like the boomer version of what we're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which my mom does and my dad does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we've just replaced that with podcasts or, or other... Mm-hmm. Media and I like thumb my nose at them for like having yeah, the TV right? on all the time. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like doing the same time. <laughs> different version of the same thing. Yeah, but I do actually. I will make a case that I think that smartphones and digital media is a better pattern of consumption than television. Oh, you do? Oh, absolutely. Okay, why? Because for TV is really limited. In mm-hmm. terms of the types of content that it produces, mm-hmm. it's very narrow. Um, yeah, it's quite inane. and it's commercial. Like exposing yourself for a thirty-minute program, you probably have eight minutes of advertising, mm-hmm. and that stuff is gross. Garbage. <laughs> it is so grating on my my mm-hmm. mind. Um, so it's always twenty percent louder than everything. But it's else like too. you. Let's say out of the. 120 channels you have on cable if you have it um there might be 10 channels that occasionally have content that you're interested in and at Mm -hmm. any given time there's probably one or two that have things that you're like moderately interested enough to watch but you wouldn't have chose it out of everything say available on the internet right yeah that's true and so i like having choice Right, I think having some agency about what you're exposing yourself to just makes you automatically more engaged, and it's just more engaging. Mm-hmm. Like we, you and I, could listen to podcasts on any topic we really want to, mm-hmm. right? Uh, with our phones, which I, I wish, maybe I should like help my parents, like, um, you know, find podcasts or something and listen to those because, like, yeah. my mom is stuck with like AM conservative radio and non-cable tv yeah and like she's not like riveted like on the edge of her seat on any of this stuff it's just like her background noise but Mm -hmm. it's pretty limited set Mm -hmm. of info and i actually thinking about that i'm a little bit optimistic about media in like 20 or 30 years when people hopefully like when our generation when when we're 50, 60, we'll be used to choosing our content and we won't, I feel like a lot of people are kind of led around by these media, um, large media groups that have a Mm. kind of consistent messaging across the board, Mm -hmm. right? From like radio to TV and that people are kind of trapped in that just because they don't really know how to like get interesting radio or voices or or TV outside of that. Mm-hmm. Whereas like I can fire up HBO on my computer and watch Vice News, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like, like compare that to CBS Evening News. It's yeah. a world apart. Yeah. <laughs> Which isn't to say that there isn't some level of like ownership and manipulation going on there. But I, I, oh, take, sure. your, I take your point. But the nuance and, yeah. and the data, even just the, the sheer... The, the new shows I see now have the same basic graphic design patterns as the ones I saw 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, I know. And it really, I, I agree. I think, so here's the interesting thing about it though, right? Is one could argue that 
our parents had longer attention spans for just, you know, like they just turn on the radio and they just pay attention to whatever is happening, right? Yeah, which is an argument, by the way, but we'll get to that in a sec. Okay, right. Whereas Mm -hmm. in our generation, you could argue that people are so, they're kind of frenetically just switching to, you know, whatever YouTube video, whatever Spotify song, whatever channel it is that they want to. And oftentimes people won't even listen to a whole song before they're on to the next one, right? Yeah. So Which is really annoying. Yeah, it annoys <laughs> me a little bit, right? But but the funny thing is everyone has that edge, right? Uh-huh. So everyone has the point at which they're like, come on, dude, stop looking at your phone and hang out with me. Yeah. Right. Uh, and 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 everyone has a different edge. You yeah, know, like I'm I don't have a high tolerance for it. So like if you and I went out to get a drink mm-hmm. and you spent more than like three percent of the time that we were hanging out together on your phone mm-hmm. i'd start to get annoyed mm-hmm. right but i think there are a lot of people who will spend like 30 or even 50 percent of their time hanging out with their friends i think that's like phones. i've never been that way and i don't think many any of my friends have been and i don't yeah. know if that's like a social culture thing but also but maybe a familiarity thing too could be an age thing in an well. age thing yeah. right it's like I could see like high schoolers, they like hang out every day after school. Yeah. And it's like they hang out a lot. So they don't have to like face off with each other every minute yeah. to like talk. It's like, nah, we're like doing the phone thing and like chit chatting in between. Right. You know, it's just like part of it. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But with, yeah, I'm this, I definitely try to focus, you know, when I meet with people. And yeah, it's just good etiquette, you know. I think so. Yeah. So, okay, here's here's the thing. You mentioned attention span and how I think like, older people have better attention spans or something like that because of like TV and radio. Well, it's just, I was just wondering, right? Yeah. I was just wondering if your ability to listen to the same radio station for hours mm-hmm. or to watch the same television channel for hours was an indication mm-hmm. of an increased attention span. So one article i read today which i was not able to verify but it was put out by aarp okay was saying that older people do have better attention spans mm-hmm. but younger people are better at task switching task switching so they can transition their attention more easily between yeah. tasks we can kind of like jump around from task to task more quickly oh, okay. and juggle okay and then so just a but different skill we're set. like kind of naturally doing that like yeah we do it more often and you know it, we're less able to focus on something for a longer period of time yeah, as well. That makes sense yeah, to me. But mm-hmm. whatever. So I something that I want to talk about, one of my main pain points in terms of digital hygiene is just that the impact that interacting with electronic devices has on my body. Mm. So, and I remember the first time I noticed this, I was like in my late teens and I had just, discovered and gotten my hands on some musical production software and i was just super engrossed Mm -hmm. and i remember sitting there at my computer with my headphones on just like working on some beats or whatever it was Mm -hmm. and i remember like after four hours of this i was just like oh man like i hurt you know it's like my back hurts my neck hurts i must have had terrible posture and terrible ergonomics right Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the first point in my life where I realized that like working on a computer for long periods of time can take a toll on your body, yeah. right? And ever since then, and especially I would say 
you know, I got my first office job when I was maybe 25. Mm. Um, and ever since then, I've been keenly aware of the effects of working on a computer and what it does to me. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to actively stave off some of the challenges of it. You know, so new research, and this isn't bogus research, this is pretty well vetted research, okay. indicates that people are saying that sitting right. is like one of the worst things that you can do yeah. for your body if you do it all day. It, all day is the key. Right. Because I've, I've, I've heard some studies on this too. Yeah. And I used to be harder on myself about sitting at work all yeah. day. And I have, we're sitting at it, well, we're standing at a standing desk right now. Yeah. And... I typically sit at it <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> during my re my work day. And partially it's just the way it's set up right now, it's just easier to sit at. But yeah. I've also heard that the main thing is with, with sitting is that if you sit at work all day and you come home and you eat dinner and you sit all night, like that's, that's the, the killer. Problem. That's yeah. it. It's like if you, you got to come home, you have to like go on a walk or go to the gym after work or something. You just have right. to like break up that like your body's position and mm -hmm. and architecture and and mm -hmm. um do something active right yeah and then it'll it, it's not so bad if you sit you know say eight hours a day at your job or whatever but yeah. you have to you can't do it all day no it, it will i can't remember what the exact negative health impacts were but that's... yeah i mean some studies say like it's worse than smoking right it's more carcinogenic mm, than smoking wow. right and i think I mean, if you think about it, it's not really hard to put together the pieces why blood circulation is a big thing. Mm. It's like if your blood just isn't circulating, if your body is in a position that doesn't encourage yeah. it to circulate. I mean, circulate. like what's our resting heart rate? It's probably like 50 or 60 beats per minute. Something like that. And you'd like do some exercise and you get up to like 150. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. I don't and know. Even like the simple action of just standing up and, you know, going to the bathroom or something mm -hmm. is like, it's like a very healthy thing to do, right? Mm -hmm. The body's designed to move. Yeah. And so, you know, we're not like, like, sure, if we were clams or something <laughs> then, or sloths, right? Yeah. Then we'd be designed to just like not move very much. I'm like much. compulsively stretching now. Right, I know exactly, but like, but the human body is designed to just do a lot of movement in mm -hmm. the day, and so it's not surprising to me that the less of that you do, the more likely you are to run into health challenges. Yeah, it's fun to think about blood flow too. Yeah, right. Just like if your heart is beating slow, then the blood moving through you, all of your vascular tissue is moving slowly. Exactly. Right. And it's That's just kind of it. like trickling along, you know, just enough to kind of sustain mm -hmm. this like pretty sedentary, low level function of everything. Mm -hmm. And then you do exercise and you like triple the current of blood or the, the flow. That's and it. And just like think of like visualize like a river being lazy and a river like gushing. And like totally. that river is bringing nutrients and oxygen and, and carrying off waste. You right. know, so it's yeah. no, you know, it makes sense that exercise would be, or, or yeah, would be very helpful. Well, and furthermore, it's just that the system is designed to require stimulus to work properly. I think that's the key, hmm. right? Is like, we don't have a sloth vascular system, right? Mm. So um, it's kind of like our system is some combination of 
of passively and actively engaged, right? Mm -hmm. And so the body is designed to go through periods of rest、mm -hmm. and to perform certain kinds of cleansing actions during that time,、mm -hmm. and then to also have some kinds of cleansing or rejuvenating actions be stimulated by movement. So、mm -hmm. both of those things are important to a human body, right? Whereas、yeah. there are some like sharks are an example of a creature which is not supposed to sit still、mm. ever, right?、Mm. So like any amount of stillness is basically pathological for a shark.、Mm. Um, that systems just can't handle it, right? And so we're so we're somewhere in between those extremes. That's interesting. Yeah, I've heard that a lot of four-legged animals, when they run, their gait. And the rhythm of it is is tied to when they take air into their lungs, right? And, and they're maybe the heart as well, but definitely their breathing. Yeah. And so there's those are tightly tied, whereas for humans are not, right? right? And, exactly. And so I guess that maybe would allow us to chill hard <laughs> as well. I don't know. Right. I'm not sure. No, you're right. So yeah. yeah so our metabolic rate isn't so directly tied to、mm -hmm. the rate at which we're moving our bodies,、mm -hmm. right? But I just think that you know something else I've been thinking about a lot. This has come up for me because I'm a gamer, right?、Mm -hmm. And、um, I have noticed that I might feel worse after a, like a video gaming session, especially like an intense video gaming session, as opposed to just like some other more passive. Computer activity,、mm. and what I've realized over time is that I think it's because if I'm playing a game, especially an action game,、mm -hmm. uh, my body is like mobilizing energy. It's mobilize. It's you know, it's releasing hormones and doing all kinds of things to get me keyed up into this state of being very active.、Mm. But I'm not actually active,、mm. right? So I'm not discharging the energy that's coming up for、right. me. You're like getting sweaty, and you're getting this adrenaline response. Exactly. But you're just sitting there. I'm not discharging <laughs> it, right? And so after a、yeah. number of hours of、mm. that, it's like it it like ferments in my system. It's I don't I I can't explain it. Yeah. But there's definitely something not that great. I start to、there. feel pretty bad after like. Two and a half to three hours of gaming is where I cross the threshold where I'm、yeah. not really having fun anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. And maybe you just—it's like you come out of it and you're just like, man, I just feel like might you might even feel like you're coming down from a drug. Yeah. It's just something. No, I I actually do feel <laughs> like I'm in withdrawal. I actually、yeah. do feel that way, and actually that makes you're talking about the physiology of like getting to a, an alerted state, right, and not being able to expend energy really, right. Um, and one thing I think about is that a lot of games are really similar to gambling,、oh, and so、sure. I kind of wonder how much it has to do with just this like, like let's just call it our like satisfaction circuit,、mm -hmm. right? Where、mm -hmm. you're trying to, you know, get the opponent, or、mm -hmm. I don't know how magic works, but also it's competitive yeah. Yeah. and. High stakes, and、um, that basically there's this uncertainty, and you're kind of rolling the dice a lot. And if you succeed, you have this like little dose of like, oh yeah, or or dopamine, or just like yeah, dopamine. It feels good, heard, right? right? 
And then if you don't, you're like, oh, but like, I'm going right back at it and I might get it this next time. You're yeah. in this little loop, right? Yeah. And I, I associate that with gambling a bit. And I kind of, I feel like it's definitely fatiguing, mm-hmm. right? Hey, Robin here with just a bit of a trigger warning. And about a minute, Arjuna and I will cross the subject of rape. And if you'd rather skip over that, you can skip forward to minute 51, and that'll get you by it. Yeah, and I think it's just the something about, like, again, the body's designed to do, like, when you have adrenaline, the body's designed to move, mm-hmm. right? And if you, like, for example, I've, I've studied a lot about trauma, Right. Because I feel like I I might have some level of like trauma related challenges in my life. And a lot of what they talk about in trauma is that um, a lot of why trauma sticks around in a person's body and in their psyche is because at the time that a traumatic event happened, they weren't able to use the vast energy Mm. that was mobilized in that moment to do something effective, right? Mm -hmm. So like the classic example is if you're getting chased by a lion, right? Your body, it's like your heart just starts pounding, right? Your, Your blood is surging through your body. Your adrenal glands are just like juicing you full of adrenaline, which is basically like cocaine, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's like mobilizing this incredible amount of energy so that you can run away or so that you can fight, right? Mm -hmm. And when, when your animal body successfully does that or does something, right? If you put up a strong fight or if you manage to run away, even if you lose, but you were using your energy, you're a lot less likely to end up traumatized by that event. Mm-hmm. Whereas in another example, um, like you'll see this a lot with like uh, rape victims, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I think rape is such a traumatic event is that there's this level of helplessness, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, all I could do was lie there while while this traumatizing thing was happening to me. And so it's like you're mobilizing all of this energy and you can't do anything about it. And so there's this part of you that shuts down, right? So this is an extreme example, but I think on a smaller level, it's like when you're in this state where you're mobilizing a bunch of energy and then you're not doing anything with it, yeah, it's bad for a body. Mm. And so I think that that yeah. even on a smaller level, like let's say, let's say that you're having like a stressful interaction with your boss on your computer, right? And in like in real life, quote unquote, that would have happened like in an office, right? And you'd be having a conversation and it would get heated perhaps, you know, and you'd have a whole physiological response. And afterwards you'd walk out of the room and you'd be shaking. You know what I mean? Texting, like digital communication when it comes to like heated stuff is just like, I've learned to just like, I always put it on hold <laughs> yep. and I always like set up a meeting and just leave it alone. Yeah. Like if it's that important yeah. that you're getting riled up, then it's important enough to just like, hey, let's let's set up a time to meet and just leave it alone. <laughs> right. <laughs> if possible. Right. Because, because yeah. something weird happens when you don't do that. Right. Yeah. And I think it's the same principle. It's like you're just you're not you're like interacting in a way that your body is not really designed for. Mm hmm. And I, I'm sure that over time, our nervous systems will change to be able to 
handle that a little bit better. Yeah. They probably already have, to mm-hmm. be honest. But um, so that... <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that's just something I think about. Right. Yeah. Um, maybe I want to take a wider view. Mm-hmm. And actually, before we switch away from this... Yeah. Are there any kind of golden nuggets that you'd want to share yes. about ergonomics? I'm glad that you asked yeah. that because I yeah, know you've I spent do. a lot of time looking into that. And yeah, yeah, I do have some recommendations. All right, so yeah. these these are the hot takes. First of all, blue light filters are really important, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So this is this has been gaining more and more popularity as time goes on. But the basic principle is that blue light is something that we get a lot of during the day from the sun. Mm -hmm. And our bodies are physiologically designed to get keyed up when we see blue light. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, it's like when the morning light comes in through the window, there's this whole physiological response which says, get up. Yeah. Right? And then when the sun starts to set, or the later in the day that it gets, the redder it gets, right? right? And so our body's psychology is set to be like, I need to go home now. Mm. I need to start chilling out. Yeah. You know, I need to like eat dinner and like go to bed. Okay. Right. So that's kind of like the basic color cycle that and we then, deal with. And then the sun sets and you're not getting any light input. Right. And the natural things are really dark. And right. so at that yeah. point, you know, humans are usually designed to just go to sleep. Yeah. And so if you have like a, a kind of quote unquote normal and healthy circadian rhythm, that's kind of what you're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, people have figured out that when you're looking at a screen, especially if the screen has the same amount, you know, screens are designed to have kind of a balanced light output. So they, they give us a just kind of a nice even mix between like reds and blues and greens and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem is that if the sun sets and you're still looking at a screen that's giving you blue light, then your your physiological responses aren't quite triggering, right? Or if if the sun has set and you haven't been looking at a computer for a while, but then you start looking at it again, your system gets confused because and it's, it's like, seemed, oh, I guess like I we're in the Arctic. Maybe and the day <laughs> is up. back, right? And <laughs> yeah. So, mm-hmm. And so um so the whole red light thing is basically you can get these programs like Flux is one that's yep. cross-platform on computers. Well, Windows has a D, like a OS level it does now. Uh, night light, it's called. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so what you'll notice is that these night lights have these various levels of reddening. Yeah. And in the extreme case, it's like your monitor is very red. Yeah. Um, so you, you use these heavily, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I used to. Mm-hmm. And I can't do it. Really? I like... I definitely, I, <laughs> I, for whatever reason, I just need like the vivid brilliance of a oh, monitor and well, I need like the color. And once it starts to go orange, like, especially if I'm gaming, oh, my yeah. nightlight will turn on. I instantly turn it off, just yeah. completely off. You know, maybe I'll turn it down, but at that point, you're getting very little benefit anyway. So I'm just now, like, meh. I've noticed that you're color sensitive, aren't you? Like, colors matter to you. Yeah. That is true. That so is maybe true. there's some feeling of like bastardization or something happening. It, I, that's actually true. I don't know yeah. why or how I, I came up with that, but yeah. I definitely want kind of accurate, vivid colors typically. So it is mm-hmm. really hard. And unless I'm having trouble sleeping, which I typically don't, I won't yeah. turn that kind of stuff on. But if I find a pattern where I'm like, huh, haven't been able to settle down for a while, then I'll start kicking that stuff on again. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that that's a good mm-hmm. metric, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Um, some people even go so far as to use the blue light filter glasses. Like right. My my sister was which by the way by look them. orange like orange lenses, right? Yeah. 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 Exactly. So um so that's a big thing now, and of course dark mode is I'm a huge fan of dark mode now even in the day because mm -hmm. it just reduces eye strain. Yeah. Also, fun fact: it reduces energy consumption. Oh yeah. Yeah, because dark pixels don't take as much light to render as light pixels, and so one of the first huh, dark wait, modes. Wait, that's is that true? Yeah. Ah. Yep. So one I, of the... I immediately thought it was true, and then second guessed it because most LCDs is like, it's just like a, a backlight, a backlight that's like just like colored... solid throughout. Right? You know, that's a good point. It actually might have been more of a thing for um, the older monitor technology, but each of the pixels on the screen is getting voltage as well. Okay. Right? So, so if, maybe it... if the if if it's getting like full white color, mm -hmm. which is typical for any web page, mm -hmm. right, for a background, then that would actually be eating up more electricity. I think. You know, it it would be yeah, good to Yeah, that makes sense. I think it probably depends on your screen rendering technology, right? Like whether it's plasma or whether it's LCD or whether it's a different kind. If it's if it's like OLED or something, then you can really maximize energy savings if you're in dark mode. But like anything that has a backlight, yeah. you're going to it'll still be lower if you're dark, yeah. but it won't be you won't cut it like down as much. Dramatically low. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but yeah, one of the first examples of dark mode was it was called like Google Black or something like that. And it was like Google's homepage had a black background. Okay. And uh, you could go to the site. It was, it was the same Google search. It's for serious tech people. Oh, definitely. <laughs> well, it was the overlap of like people who care about tech and people who care about the environment, right? And mm. and that the page said that you were saving like some ass, you know, like if every monitor mm. used this one, they'd save some astronomical amount. Just of side energy. note, I'm really surprised how infrequently I see tech nerds talking about green. Oh yeah, technology or saving energy or anything like that. Yeah. But I guess I follow people who are all about like more power, you know, and like I who can build the beefiest system. And I think that's but... it. Although some tech people are like anti-car, you know, so that's a thing. Hmm. Well, um, yeah, most tech people are like green, but when it comes to their like, computers, it's just like they don't want to. All bets are off. Like, yeah, we just want that's... this thing to to soar. It's <laughs> not. That's not the place <laughs> where they're making their gains, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So some other quick tips. Um, I work on a computer all day and I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, researching it, and also just in my body doing it. Mm -hmm. So, um, one of the main important things about working at a computer is that you need to have the, the pieces of the computer that you're interacting with positioned properly. Mm -hmm. So when I say positioned properly, what do I mean? Here are some really basic guidelines. You want the top of your monitor to be about level with your mm -hmm. eyes. Okay? okay. So if you look straight at your monitor, you probably want to be looking at like either the top bezel or like the very topmost part of the image of your monitor. This is right? why I don't stand at my desk anymore. Because <laughs> it's a little low. It's way too right? low to stand exactly. at. Exactly. Yeah. And so this is what happens mm -hmm. is that if you're not doing that, then you're more likely to either be looking down or to be looking up at mm -hmm. your monitor. And that slight crick in your neck especially if you hold it for hours, is mm -hmm. going to catch up with you eventually. Right. right, so I just slouch in my chair there you about go. 10 inches until my eyes are level there. Yeah. Right, so your neck's like, <laughs> okay, and your back's No, just everything's killing. bad. <laughs> yeah, okay, so there you go. 
So next thing is you want this. This is an important thing that I learned. the The way that you want your hands to be at your keyboard is like okay. Let's say you you let your arms just hang by the side of your body, right?、Mm-hmm. And you just like stand up straight, let your shoulders relax, let your arms hang. Okay. Then the next thing that you do is just raise your arms to be like elbows about at a right angle.、Mm-hmm. All right. And just like whatever's comfortable, it doesn't have to be a perfect right angle, but just when whatever you do naturally when you think of doing that.、Mm-hmm. Okay. And now just look at the position your hands are in. We、right? should make an ergonomics dance. You know. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like this is step one. Okay, well, what's step two? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so step two is basically now just where you want your keyboard to be right under your fingers in this position.、Mm. All right. So so let me just illustrate this because you can't see what we're doing. My arm is at a right angle. Okay. So like the top part of my arm is basically perpendicular to the floor. The bottom half of my arm, from my elbow to my wrist, is about parallel with the floor. And your、right? shoulders are probably relaxed, right? Yeah, your shoulders shoulders should be relaxed.、Yep. Your back should be straight. Okay? okay. And the next thing is your arms natu- your hands naturally hang down. Okay.、Mm-hmm. And um, you you want like okay, so you don't want your hands to be fully hanging. Okay. What you're trying to do is you want your wrists to be straight, okay, and your fingers to be hanging, and、hmm. that's、Wait. where you、Whoa. want your keyboard to be. So you don't rest your palms when you type. No,、Whoa. that's that's an ergonomic no-no.、All、okay.、Right? The reason why is that if you look at yourself doing that, your wrist isn't straight. No, not at all. So from the top of your forearm to the top of your hand, you want that to be as straight of a line as possible. Okay. Okay. But you want your fingers to be hanging. Yeah. And what you'll notice is、um, when you do this, when your hands are positioned properly, your fingers will feel strong. Mm-hmm. And you'll、mm-hmm. feel it'll feel almost effortless to exert pressure on the keys. I want to see a pianist. A like pianist. I want to watch like some videos of pianists like cranking out some Mozart and see what、yeah. technique they use. Yeah, that, yeah, they're using similar ergonomics,、mm-hmm. right? And so the re- so basically it's straight wrist, you know, almost ninety degree crook in your elbow, maybe like maybe like seventy five degree. Angle in your elbow,、mm-hmm. um, straight wrist, straight back of the hand, fingers hanging down, and and another thing that I learned、uh, as being a musician, which applies with typing as well, is that you want your knuckles to be square. All right. Wow. So、um, if you do like a claw, right? Like and, a cat paw. Yeah, like a cat paw, and then you relax your fingers a bit. But you notice that my all of my knuckles are bent,、mm-hmm. right? This is is strong. It, okay, it's your muscles are like、Arch. gently engaged. Okay, and、um, it puts less strain on your joints than if your finger is straight. Okay, here's a question. Yeah. So if I just have my elbows at ninety degrees and let my hands dangle in this kind of natural position. Yeah. My arms. Angle in towards each other just a little bit, but、yeah. not nearly enough for my fingers to be, say, on the home row. Yeah, right. So, split keyboards are those better? I mean, for a lot of people, yeah. But also, you have your mouse hand, 
So like maybe already you're like splitting the difference between exactly yeah yeah. So it's it's hard to get it perfect, mm -hmm. right? So there's always going to be a bit of a compromise, but people geek out on this, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, it's really yeah. That's that's really a big thing. Yeah. Well, listen to your body. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. So so a few more things. Um, I standing I have found to be very good for me. I was having a lot of like shoulder, neck, wrist, whatever problems, and the majority of them went away as soon as I just started standing at my desk. Mm. So, um, yeah, standing desks are highly recommended. Some people Do even... Do you stand all the time? Not all the time. Okay. No. So what I've found works the best for me these days is I just try to switch my position between standing and sitting often. Mm -hmm. And so that means that I'm not like... Because I don't know, like, you can get into some bad postures standing as well. So, <laughs> yes. you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I think it's just like, for me, variety has been the spice of life. I agree with that 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. being able to just switch between sitting and standing. Even if mm -hmm. you're kind of, like, if you have bad pa posture in both of those, but yeah. you're switching between them, that's better. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it's less yeah. fatiguing, and I'm just kind of restless. Like, I'm always like... Me too. I'm, I'll do 15 minutes of work, and then I'll go get a glass of water, and then I'll like yeah. go like cuddle my cat like 20 minutes after that or whatever. You well, know? you know that that's actually a really good ergonomics hack is mm -hmm. to keep like a, keep like a 32 ounce jar of water next to your computer and just drink it regularly and keep it filled regularly. 32? That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so what will happen is you'll need to pee a lot. Right? Uh, and when you get used to it, you'll also get thirsty a lot because yeah. you'll be used to being just hydrated. Just heard my phone right? chime there. We're we're leaving our phones on for this recording. Just oh to yeah, kind of see if we can get some chirping in for the, <laughs> the theme of the show, <laughs> right? So, um, but anyway, yeah. So what this will do is it'll, it'll keep you hydrated. It'll keep you getting up to go to the bathroom, mm -hmm. and uh, that's good. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to just take a step back and think about the smartphone, quote unquote, mm -hmm. and just think about kind of how marvelous of an advancement in technology it is. Okay. And that it's remarkable that we call it a phone. And I've heard friends refer to it as a pocket computer, which I, I love that term because yeah. it is. It's a full computer, right? <laughs> Yeah, it reminds me of I am the operator with my pocket calculator. That's, yeah, that's I don't know anything me. about that. That's a, that's a, that's a Kraftwerk reference okay. for the boomers among you. Gotcha. Anyway. No, those are Xers, Generation Xers, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So mid eighty um, stuff, but like, so my friend's, um, my friend's daughter said that, like, she was <laughs> she was trying to talk about an iPod. And she referred to it as that little phone that only plays music. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which is funny because like, to me, <laughs> it's kind of an indictment. What do you mean? Uh, it's like, it's, uh, it's, it's implying that the object is diminished because it's not also a phone, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like mm. a critique of the limited nature of, of, a, of the, the device. Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> anyway. But. I used to think about like, so we have like camera phones, right? That's what, that's what we used to call them. Like when, when yeah. phones first got the ability to take pictures. Yeah, they were camera phones. We called them camera phones. Mm -hmm. And I always thought it'd be funny to have a phone camera. 
which was a like a big camera that you could also make phone calls with. <laughs> it's like a DSLR with like a cell phone yes, in it. Yes, okay. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, phones just do any everything. Just it's like everything. the like from Star yeah. Trek, like the tricorder, right? Except yeah. we don't have like the cool sensor suite that the the tricorder had in Star yet. Trek yet. But like, yeah. I'm waiting. I'm It'll waiting happen. for that. Like attachment suite on Amazon where I just like yeah. plug it into the USB-C port on the bottom and I can do like infrared and detect minerals yeah. and life signs. I'm curious. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm curious if there's going to be a certain point in human history where everyone wears glasses. Hmm. Because like that's going to Because be... of eye strain? Oh, wait, wait why? No, oh. no, because... Um, everyone will be getting information beamed into their glasses. Oh, That's, I'm curious Like augmented reality stuff. Yeah, I'm okay. wondering if augmented reality is going to take off in a way in which everyone is wearing glasses and then eventually probably contacts, right? Hmm. And then eventually there'll just be some kind of neural tapping going mm-hmm. on. Hmm. But Yeah, we yeah. need to do an episode on biohacking. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Which I, I honestly haven't heard that much exciting stuff about yet, but like there's there's enough there. Oh, when there's you a, look into it, I think once I look into it, there will be yeah. some things. So yeah, hopefully that's a spoiler. We'll, <laughs> we'll go there. You know, the only other thing I was, I, I've been trying to think of, of like the way pop culture and stuff handles phones and things. And usually I think it's overblown, but one movie that I thought was really well done was the movie Her. Mm. And that was a great movie. It was good. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you'd seen it and it portrays a really near future kind of scene where it's basically where we're at now, and there's this Apple-like company that's producing phones, smartphones, and the operating system is getting upgraded to have better and better forms of artificial intelligence that people can start to actually have personal relationships with. Mm-hmm. And so the story is uh, the char- the protagonist is this like kind of lonely male tech worker type and ends up kind of isolate he's isolated enough that he defers to the company of the operating system on his phone for company frequently enough that he becomes rather attached to it and the ai is sophisticated enough that it's able to kind of keep his attention hmm. and and end up he ends up growing this kind of relationship with it and yeah they fall in love they yeah right which I, i'll just I'll just suspend my disbelief like when it gets that far. But it does like I went and saw it with a couple my brother and a good friend. And um our good friend who came with us literally like sobbed after we saw it. <laughs> because it was it hit home in this way mm. that we didn't expect. Yeah. Where I think that 
when we were younger, when I was younger, and a lot of my friends were younger, when the way that we saw social culture evolving, we had these dreams of community and becoming more and more connected with each other. And then time has passed, and seeing the way that so many of us stay indoors and kind of engage with digital media and things like that instead of growing our human connections with each other seeing that happen on a on a current scale and then extrapolating where that might lead mm. it, which is what i think that movie did mm-hmm. whether or not that extrapolation is accurate or not is is up for debate but it did that and it was it was harrowing right to see how far we could go down that rabbit hole and and mm-hmm. it made me question right like the extent to which I might substitute a relationship with technology for a relationship with other human beings. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, or perhaps how your relationship with, you know, with existing humans is more and more abstracted through the technology, Mm. right? So, So maybe you're going from spending time in the same room together or in the same physical space together with a person to spending more and more virtual time with that mm. person, mm-hmm. right? Right, which is very different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, like like with the gaming analogy, there are a lot of people who spend a lot of time gaming with their friends, right? And maybe, you know, one friend is, is across the country. No, I'm going to put friends in quotes there. <laughs> well, but it, even... And even, I'm a gamer, so like... But even like your longtime friends, right? Yeah. But if they're just like, um, yeah, so like maybe a friend that you've had for for years, right? But you maybe live in different places. But yeah. But full disclosure, like I game with good friends. Yeah. Quite a bit. Yeah. And it's really difficult for me to like really share anything going on with me mm. in that context while you're gaming vice, yeah. and vice versa to be able to be receptive to anything that they want to share in that yeah. context just because I, I happen to find games digital games very engaging right so they take up a lot of my bandwidth yeah mm-hmm. right so it is it's kind of like um it's kind of like watching a movie with a friend mm-hmm. right where yeah you're together you're sharing an experience yeah but you're definitely not like interacting very yeah. much. So it's actually, it's probably a good practice to, if it's a friend you want to stay connected with and that's the way you connect with them, spend 10 minutes before you fire up the game to just like chit chat. Like saying hello, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe like in between rounds or in between whatever, mm-hmm. you know, most games have cycles in them, right? So in between cycles, just kind of like actually talking about stuff. Yeah. 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 So I think like at the end of the day, phones and computers and Facebook and blah, 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 digital social media. It's not, I don't see this as like apocalyptic, the end of the human race, like mm. we're becoming mush, you mm. know, socially and intellectually. I, I, I see it that there are tools that you can glean a lot from if you use them responsibly and you can overuse them and end up feeling rather disconnected from yourself and disconnected from other people. Right. And so it just, it comes back to Mm self-awareness and just checking in with yourself and and noticing how do you feel after you use a certain app for a while? Like I had, I routinely uninstall Reddit from my phone 
Because mm-hmm. you just don't like the way you're interacting. Yeah, with it. because yeah. it's just, it's there's too much content. Like the way that the feed works and the way the different subreddits work. Yeah. I just like mindlessly end up in this like scroll loop. Yeah. Routinely for like 30 minutes plus. And I just feel like shit afterward. And I like get this tiny little dose of gratification every like five different, every five posts that happen to hit me in the right way. Yeah. But it lasts for like two seconds and I'm on to the next thing. Yeah. And like, I remember back when I discovered YouTube like 12 years ago or whatever, the, me and my friends, when we watched like fail videos and stuff like that, the mm-hmm. way that we reacted to that back then, we were just like, we would go into laughing fits that lasted like 10 minutes sometimes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now when I see something of equal quality, yeah, I do a little chuckle and then I scroll. And then you're just over it. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So it's just like this isn't serving me anymore. Like I'd get a little like little juice out of it, but it's mm-hmm. just I'm just wasting time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. well, I think that that's the key, right? I think the key is to examine what you're doing and how it's working or not working for you, mm-hmm. and to think about what you might like to do instead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, because you know, I so uh, one of the things that I want to say before we go here is that I think laced into this conversation is like a a fairly liberal amount of um, generational phobia. And what I mean by that is I think a lot of the people who are writing articles about how all of this technology is bad for you Mm. are uh, older people who are kind of distrustful of the modern era, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a tale as old as time. It's like the old folks are always kind of having a hard time assimilating. Which you and I are approaching middle age, and I already feel like a little tinge of that toward like 20-ish somethings. Yeah, me too, right? (laughs) And it's just, it's hard to not, I think it's just in general, it's hard to not look at some of the things that young people do Mm -hmm. and to feel critical of them and feel skeptical of of where that's going to end up, right? Mm-hmm. Where that's going to take culture. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to I want to call that out because so often in this world people's irrational impulses are the basis for their rationalizations about why things are or aren't good. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's some, you know, some amount of this research is like it's like really real and legitimate and good and we should pay attention to it, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that there's a lot of stuff out there which is it's fueled by this kind of irrational fear of new stuff and it's fueled by technophobia right and you know like people saying like millennials don't know how to talk to each other anymore yeah yeah yeah. like they're so socially anxious and shy and blah 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 and it's kind of like maybe i i I think there's a tinge of truth to that maybe yeah well but also maybe socially anxious and shy in situations that your generation was comfortable in i heard a stat that um millennials like young millennials are basically having less sex than the generations before i've heard that too and i was like i was mind it was my mind was just blown by that because i think of like dating apps and hookup culture and i just thought we'd be like in a boom right. and people are younger now right yeah but then i stuff. like i look at the people who are just like half a generation younger than us and yeah. i do see this like the phone phonescape is yeah. like seems to be a lot more engaging to them than it is to us and yeah. like it's and it's more normalized too and there 
I don't just getting people like being in the same room with people and being able to like socialize in person is actually a thing. And I, I hear yeah. this about dating apps too, where like a lot of a lot of women I talk to will say, I had this really great conversation with a guy online and then we met in person and it was just really awkward. And that's yeah. like a, a trope. Yeah. And so and that's not that's not for just younger people, that's for people my age as well. And yeah. Um, anyway, it's just, it's different skills, right? Like, different skills. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what I want to highlight or like, yeah. you know, I mean, I would guess that just more people are looking at porn, you know, hmm. and, uh, maybe getting their needs met in a, in a more virtual way or, hmm. or getting their needs met through entertainment rather than through, you know, right. analog sex with other humans, right? Analog who, sex. who knows? <laughs> who knows you how heard true it here that first. is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> digital trends and sex <laughs> but um but yeah that's it it's like again i i think that the this stuff brings a smorgasbord of benefits let's and... get analog <laughs> <laughs> hey baby want to take this analog <laughs> but you know yeah every, every shift in culture i think brings its opportunities and its problems mm-hmm. and i just I want to highlight that I think there is a fair amount of generational phobia going into this. Right. And I just want to call it out. Well, and phones aren't going away. No. Smart, right. So maybe recently in the last few days, I've felt like really positive about my phone. Okay. And because I like check it kind of frequently, but it's not really that distracting. Mm-hmm. And I've been finding things to do on it that I like to do and that actually feel rewarding. Like, okay. like I don't know if you do this, but like when I go to the bathroom, I'm usually on my phone. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay. And so what I used to do is I used to scroll Reddit. Mm-hmm. That's what and I still do. I don't do that. Okay. So now I have this like JavaScript quiz app, which is oh, just like okay. a bunch of quizzes on JavaScript yeah. questions, which is a programming language, which I'm trying to, like I'm always trying to learn more about that. Mm-hmm. And then another thing is I have this app for a website called Medium, which is just like kind of a tech-focused website that has just tons of rich articles Mm -hmm. on tech-related and design-related stuff Mm -hmm. where like it's like five-minute reads and it just hones in on this like kind of technical topic and tries to teach you a few important concepts. And I'm just like eating that up. And so I just feel like it's like I'm getting nourished from my phone. I'm, I'm curious if you have... If you feel that way about certain like habits with your phone or I do. Well, okay. So a lot of people are really Facebook phobic, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, Facebook's wasting my life and Mm -hmm. I feel really bad when I use it and yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And for me, Facebook actually delivers on the promise of being a social network. I feel more connected to the people in my life when I use it. Okay. And it's probably, maybe it's also just because I don't have whatever that unhealthy thing is with it that some people have, right? That whole like endless scrolling, comparing yourself to other people. Yeah. You know, kind of like fear and loathing aspect of it. I don't have that. Yeah. And so what it means is that I spend like zero to 20 minutes on Facebook per day. Mm-hmm. Some days I just forget about it, right? Yeah. Um, and whenever I go there, it's like I see a picture of a friend and I'm like, oh, friend, you yeah. know, look at what you're doing. That's yeah. cool. Or, or, oh, friend, you just lost someone. Like, that's really sad, right? Right. And, I, you know, I have just like a handful of groups that I'm in where people will post, you know, whatever that we are all collectively interested in. And I'm like, oh, look, my friend's being interested in the thing I'm interested in. And then I'm done, right? And like, 
I really like that. Mm-hmm. Like Facebook adds a lot to my life. I got, you know, my current career that I'm in, I got the job because of a Facebook ad. There's a lot of mm, really? advice. Yeah, there's a lot okay. of advice that I ask for. You know, I um I went to India, which was a massively important thing in my life and for my health hmm. because of a post that I made on Facebook really? that a friend followed up on. Okay. Right. I've gotten so much excellent advice. So you like to use it to like ask advice and like oh, let friends yeah. weigh in. Oh, I crowdsource all kinds of stuff okay. in my life through That's Facebook. That's cool. I never do that for some reason. I'm always yeah. like pretty shy about it, but. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like. Maybe you need new car insurance, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, you want to change some other service. Yeah. I just post topless pictures of myself after I go to the gym. There you go. No, I'm kidding. That's, <laughs> that's a good way to tell who your friends really are, you know? No, I just don't. I used to post to it a lot. And now it's yeah. mostly like I'll check it to see if there's events I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Or I'll post an event if I want to host something. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah, well, I just think that, like, that's an example of where, like, the vast majority of my feeling with Facebook is just like warm and fuzzy and connected and happy, you know? And, um, I mean, it's, I'm probably fortunate as well in that I just, I know cool people and I love the people I know. I like keeping up with them. Right. Yeah. So, um, but I just, I think that that doesn't necessarily get enough attention. Mm -hmm. Right. Or like I ambiently learn a lot of things on Reddit. You know, like I'll I'll be scrolling Reddit and I'll see articles around things that are interesting to me that actually add to my knowledge, mm-hmm. right? And so instead of, you know, I think people used to say, I saw this thing on the news or I was reading National Geographic or yada, 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 right? right. And, and like a lot of the modern incarnation of that is I saw a post on Reddit or I read right. this blog, right? Yeah. And, um, and I don't, like, we shouldn't discount that, like... We are learning a lot. We are stumbling upon a lot of interesting things that are enriching mm-hmm. our knowledge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that kind of gets lost in this wave of technophobia. Yeah, yeah. And, and and there's been critics who say that we scan a lot more when we look at online media, mm-hmm. which is good, I think, because there's a lot of stuff you really don't need to read into that's true. and dig into. Yeah, there, that's but, true. And you need to find the stuff that applies to you particularly, which isn't going to be most stuff. Yeah. So find the thing you want to really actually read to the end of. Right. And and read it. Skill set. Most of, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I'm kind of you know, it's just just all about management, right? Yeah. Like per- managing your relationship to it and being able to check in and see when you're overdoing it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll start learning coding while I'm taking a deuce. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I've taken away from this episode. You know, <laughs> can really get get some Java going on up. In yeah, there. yeah, that's funny. I'm a I'm kind of a toilet coder. <laughs> uh, yeah, I bust, just yeah. bust that one out at a job interview. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great! Well then, cool. Thanks for joining me. Yeah. It's been a good one. Mm-hmm. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. All right. Go um. Go purge yourself from this digital experience you've just had. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Take some quiet time. Think about it. <laughs> Catch you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Listening Glass. 
If you've enjoyed this show, we'd love it if you'd share it with your friends and on social media. Your word of mouth means a lot to us and is a way you can help our humble podcast grow. This episode features the track Dr. Bochef Penguin Dentist by Kneebody, Lipton Service Boy by Aero Johannes, and Vis and Sitta by Mac Woodruff. We're incredibly grateful to these artists for letting us feature their work. Find out more information on them in the episode description. <laughs> also, thanks to Stefan Safronic, Luna Green, and Patrick McMurdo, who were nice enough to let me interview them for this show. Find us on our Twitter handle, at ListeningGlass. You can leave feedback there or by emailing us at listeningglasscast at gmail.com. Join the ongoing discussion in our community by joining our Discord server, linked in our episode description.